Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. What's up, wrestling fans? We are back. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast coming at you with episode number 65, almost exactly seven days from the last episode. We're on a roll, Ben. We did it. We are on a roll. We did it. We're, we're, we're putting two out in almost a week. Yes. I'm pretty proud of us, Brandon. I'm pumped. My name is Brandon Olinger, a.k.a. Brando. Join with me, as always, my co-host, partner in crime, Ben The Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? Dude, I love that nickname, The Law. The Law? The law. Is that what I am? You are the law. Put, lay down the law. All right. All right. Uh, you know, I, I like that. You I like, like that? that. Yeah, I'm going to tell my wife that. I, I, gotta, I don't think it's going to work very well. <laughs> I got to credit that to uh, our boy Mark Neiman. Yeah, Neiman does call me the law. I like that. Marky Mark. So what's going on, Brandon? Not much, man. Life is good. How about yourself? It's good, man. It's I, good. I'm glad to be back on the mic so quick. Heck yeah. I know it's good for you. Shooting that low score in the golf course oh, the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I like that you're starting to get into golf a little bit. It's, it, it, gives, it gives us something to do to hang out besides just wrestling. I caught the bug. Yeah, you did. I did shoot a 74 the other day. You did? It was nice. Yeah, three over par. That was, uh, I think I blacked out. I shot a 106. 105. A 105, yeah. 105. Give me that stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, all right. So as we said, the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. Listen, hit us up on Twitter at the Inside Trip one Find our Facebook page, The Inside Trip. You can find the podcast, you know, all the typical locations, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, all that good stuff. Our favorite, the Podbean. Podbean. So find it, subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you want to send us an email, you can definitely do so. Ben, where can they email us? Email us at theinsidetrip1 at gmail.com. We just got another review. It was Did very we, nice. Was it yeah. a nice review? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I'll look it up later and we'll hit them up. On the, we'll, we'll shout them out of the pod. I'm going to start showing my wife those reviews and tell her I'm somebody. Yeah, I'm somebody today. <laughs> All right, guys. So it's the dog days of wrestling, I guess you can call it. We're at the tail end of the summer. Not a lot going on. Uh, schools are starting to get back in session. We've got our uh, senior teams getting ready for the real championships. Really not much to talk about. So last week, um, as many of you know, we got some decent feedback on it. We kind of talked a little bit about what's been going on at the university, the Ohio State University, um, the whole sexual abuse scandal from back in the, what, 70s through the 90s um, by Dr. Richard Strauss. Um, anyway, got a lot of good feedback about it. Um, people hit us up, said it was nice to hear some people actually talk about it for once and kind of be candid about it. Um, the, the interesting thing is, though, is that we were just basically providing our uneducated opinions and thoughts on the subject. So we thought it would be nice to get somebody on the podcast with us this week that has firsthand knowledge of the situation that maybe we can actually speak to about this, help clear up some things, answer some questions, and give us an idea of what really was going on. So joining Ben and I today is none other than former Ohio State University wrestler, longtime poster of the theohiowrestling.net, and recent subject of New York Times article, Michael Rodriguez. Michael, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. 
Uh, we're doing great. Um, it's nice to have you with us. Um, I just want to say thanks again for uh, you know reaching out to us. I know I, I, I inquired with our one of our buddies that know you um, and said, hey, you know if you know this guy, if there's any way you can get him our number, I'd love to talk to him. And uh, he was able to do so. You recently hit me up via text message, and um, so here we are today. Thank you for me. Actually, and this is actually uh, something different. Typically, we do all these interviews um, over the phone. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, we actually have Mike. We have, we have the joy, the pleasure of having Michael with us today, live in Ben's man cave. That's right. I like it. I like it because I have somebody else that you know have a beer with besides just you. And Ben even got dressed up for the occasion. He is wearing a tank top. <laughs> it's so hot. It looks like. Would you get that? The baby gap. Walmart. <laughs> All right. Enough about us. Anyway, Michael, thanks for joining us. It's good to have you, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I. I uh... Wish the circumstances were different, but because uh, um, I, I do enjoy the podcast and um, tune in and like to hear what you guys had to say, it's uh, it's kind of awkward and odd, but I'm glad I'm here and um, want to answer any questions and and uh, let people know exactly uh, exactly what happened and and where uh, where I'm coming from, sort of coming out with the the, the Times article and I thought it'd be best to. I don't know, talk to somebody who, who talks directly to wrestlers. Um, well, we appreciate it. Um, so uh, let's just go ahead. Let's get a little background you know, uh, information on you right now. So you're a former Buckeye wrestler. Um, at least you were, you were a part of the team for a little while. Um, when were you involved? When, when were you a part of the team? Well, I, uh, I graduated high school in 1990 uh, from Revere High School. Um, and... We had uh, we had another wrestler on my team my senior year who uh, who was a two time state champ runner up as a sophomore the guy was the truth and Ohio State recruited him um, and when they came up to see him then they're like oh who's this other guy who's undefeated and uh, he might be making some waves and so then I got on Ohio State's radar um, but make no mistake about it as as anybody who's who's wrestled D one or wrestled Big Ten knows uh, there are sort of tiers of athletes on a Big Ten squad. And so you've got your stars, um, then you've got your your um, your guys that are going to be stars like in a couple of years, line, yes. yeah. And then you've got your your program guys, your your uh, your room guys, yes. And I and I was absolutely a room guy. I mean, if Which you're is a, awesome, yeah, to be even oh, a room no. guy in Ohio State. Well, squad. and 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 my story in particular has a lot to do with that fact. Is that uh, when Russ Hellickson, a silver medalist, sits down in your living room. Um, I, I went on other recruiting trips. Um, it, it was it, it didn't matter because Russ Hellickson sat down in my living room. Um, I used to have a poster in my uh, in my bedroom uh, that Jim Jordan signed when I went to an OSU camp uh, when I was younger. I mean, I I worshipped these guys. Right. Um, so so I knew that's not true. I, if I'm being totally honest, I did not know until I got there. Uh, the sort of place I'd have on the team. Everybody thinks I'm going to go there and be a world beater and I'm going to shock everybody, right? <laughs> right? So I didn't know till I got there. Um, but once I got there, it became clear that um, I'm the kind of guy who would start if somebody got injured. Maybe by my senior year, I could squeak out a national qualifier or something. Sure. But, but I was um, somebody who would have been a very good Division two or three wrestler. But I'm an also ran in that room, um, you know. When when uh, when Adams uh, 
when Adam's cutting weight or when Mark Marinelli's cutting weight, uh, I was part of a four-man group that would rotate in on him. Is that like Adam DeSabato? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Adam was 126 when I was there, and uh, my freshman year, uh, Mark Marinelli was 34, 134. So we would, there'd be a group of us. And, and when I got there, um, and you got to, even though I had uh, one wrestler on my team that was significantly better than I was, I mean, you guys wrestled. Uh, most high school matches are, I mean, they're cake. They're great until, what, the semis of districts? I mean. Right. You're not really tested much until maybe a major holiday tournament yeah. or, you know, semifinals districts. I yeah. Get you. I get and you're you. not testing in practice hardly at all. At least I, I wasn't. I had, we had a good team, sort of a, a league champ level team, but not, not the kind of thing that you see today with these super teams. And, like, we weren't that. We were just a, an okay team. I think we finished fourth that year with two guys. Um, so I had never been in a room where I got challenged daily. And, uh, and the Ohio State room was one where um, I met in, in the recruiting class that I had. Uh, we had Todd Cherto, Babe Sedan, um, Matt McCoy, and Mike Dahl and me. The five of those guys are completely interchangeable. I would beat one guy by one. The next guy would beat me by one. Then the next guy would beat him by one. We were all roughly the same guy. Same height, same weight, roughly the same credentials. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a sobering experience. Uh, so you're at all at once, you're at your peak physical. Like, I've never been in better shape. I've never been a better wrestler. But I've also been, I've never been more insecure about this, this is a team I can't make. I mean, Adam's at 26, uh, um, Mark is at 34. Mm-hmm. There's no way anything's happened in my freshman year. You know, so any dreams I had about coming in and shocking the world, those are gone. The first day. Um, and then even the next year, you know, now Mark is gone and there's this spot open at 34. But now you've got all these guys that were all one point. It's who has a good day. Right. And, right. and the, the, the wrestle offs there when I was there, that that group of five and then Dom DeSabato came in that next year. So now you got six. Heck, that's it's basically a tournament. Right. Of a bunch of guys who are all right there with each other. So so um, part of why. um and, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but uh, I have heard, because you can't help but hear, as people talk about this stuff, uh, one of the things that the mainstream media sort of hammers in on is that um, some of these athletes were, they were on scholarship and they didn't want to lose their scholarship. And um, while that may have been true for some of them, and you could certainly ask those people, that was not the case for me. It had nothing to do with scholarship. It had to do with, man, I'm thrilled to just be here. I, I, I get to wear Ohio State colors. I get to... I remember one of the time we were running the stadium, right? It's the shoe. It's horrible. And we're, we're running it with a, with a 10-pound bag of sand, right? And uh, we got to touch every step. And I'm thinking to my – and I see everybody griping, and I'm back with the heavyweights because I'm slow. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself as I'm touching every step, how freaking amazing this is. I'm in Ohio Stadium. I'm wearing head-to-toe Ohio State – team issued gear and i'm touching every step in the shoe it was a dream come true just to be part of it so let's l- l- i'm getting pumped up this yeah right right, right. <laughs> all right so start cutting some weight <laughs> you need to oh man that's messed up <laughs> i'm kidding uh, all right so um your freshman year you went into ohio state what was that 1991 90, 91 season it would be the 90 91 season okay 
Um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit ago before we got started. We'll go in depth later. But you were there uh, f- midway through your sophomore se- sophomore year. I ended up leaving um, in January of of my what would be my sophomore season, my red shirt freshman season. All right. So you spend about a year and a half at Ohio State. Um, obviously, there were some things that went on there um, that we're going to touch on here in just a bit. You leave Ohio State, and then suddenly, what, almost 30 years later, um, you're now a recent subject of the New York Times article regarding this um, this sexual abuse situation that came out um, as someone who came forward because you had um, you actually had some interactions with Dr. Richard Strauss. So if you don't mind me asking... How did the New York uh, New York Times article come to fruition for you? What how did what happened up at, up to that time that to where the New York Times reached out to you and yeah. in, ended up interviewing? Sure, because it's it's not every day. I have no New York Times contact. It's not like even if I wanted to share that story with them, I wouldn't know who to call. Um, so what basically happened was in in April of this year, uh, Mike DeSabato, um blew the whistle on this entire situation, and um, and. Uh, just to give you an idea, um, I don't have any relationship with Mike DeSabato, but at the same time, he was the, uh, he was the guide, the student guide of my, um, of my recruiting trip to Ohio State. He was a redshirt senior when I was an incoming freshman. Um, oh, so that had he, to be intimidating. It was. Inc- I mean, you know the name because right. you're in Ohio, right? <laughs> so, so no, he and, and Mark Marinelli were the guys who, who showed me around that night and, and – um, so I knew of of Mike, and uh, Mike was on the team the my fresh my true freshman year, and then you know um, Dom coaches over at over at Hilliard, and Adam is always uh, kicking around, and both their boys have come through. So I you run into the Sabos. Heck, I go to Emilio's from time to time and have a beer. So you run into them from time to time, but these aren't people that I have a particularly good or bad relationship sure. with. We just know in the wrestling community. Sure. So when he came out with his thing. Um, I hadn't spoken of it in years and, um, uh, I had already, that's not true when I say I hadn't spoken of it in years, uh, about a year ago when the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out and I said this in the article was that, uh, I had said to my 13 year old, uh, 12 at the time, I kind of, they're talking about Harvey Weinstein and this is something that women deal with in the workplace and, and this is uh, systemic and it goes on all the time and nobody talks about it. And I sort of smack my kid in the arm jokingly and kind of say, dude, I've totally got one of those. Like I have a hashtag me too moment. Like this happened to me and I, I didn't get into the details of it, but I, I let her know that there was this doctor and he did this inappropriate stuff. And oh my God, that's crazy that I have this same thing that these people are talking about. Um, but I left it at that. And then when Mike in April came out with his thing, um, so let me sure. just, let me just clarify something right there. So sure, in all the years that passed, you never said anything about it. And the first person you ever mentioned something to after you left Ohio State basically was your twelve year old daughter. Yeah, at it was the time? my kid. Really, yeah. as you're watching the Harvey Weinstein thing going. Yeah, on. she's that's that's crazy. She's a neat kid, and uh, um, as I said before the show, sort of a a radical feminist child and an activist mind. Um, so I knew, I mean, the fact that we were even watching it with a 12 year old kid. Right. Um, uh, but it, it is uh, telling. And, and as, as I tell the story to different people who ask, um, different, different puzzle pieces sort of fall into place. Like you just said, which nobody really put into those exact terms until now 
that you never spoke of it until that. No, I didn't. And not only did I not speak of it, um, um, this stuff was packed away. Um, and not consciously packed away. This stuff was, um, uh, I would have gone to my grave with. That's just that. And, and I'm living my life and I'm doing okay. And that's a thing that happened. Uh, but it's, it's not something that is spoken of or thought of or, or dealt with in any, in any real manner. So, so it was kind of buried then, kind of what you said. Absolutely. Something that would actually go to your grave. Why did you decide to come forward now? Well, um, and that's a really good question. Uh, for for two reasons, um, first and foremost, um, the reason I came forward uh, was this this Me Too movement. That up until now, uh, certainly uh, in '91 when this thing happened, um, there was no safety net like there is now. What what the Me Too movement gives you or gives me personally is that. Um, I'm not going to be dismissed out of hand. I'm not going to be ridiculed, at least not completely. Um, and I know there are opinions on both sides. Um, but even that, I think, is is around some political stuff that I'm sure we'll get to. But in general, there is a willingness to listen uh, to victims now that there wasn't like two and a half years ago. It just didn't exist. And it certainly didn't exist in 91. So you've you've... You've been talking about it. You've come out. You've been talking about it. How did the New York Times contact you? So um, in April, when Mike comes out with with his allegations, and then shortly thereafter, um, uh, and you guys can correct me if my timeline's wrong, he, in my opinion, rather aggressively, uh, goes after um, Congressman Jim Jordan, who was an assistant coach at the time, um, uh, saying that Jim knew or must have known and uh, and Jim is forced to um, uh, answer questions on this subject, and Jim gives a flat denial, period. Um, it starts off, I didn't see anything, I didn't know anything. It morphs into locker room talk is an actual, but the, the general gist is that Jim didn't know anything, and, and Mike keeps on sort of hammering away at this, and then that becomes um, uh, its own political legs and its own media legs, and it's this whole thing about bringing down Jim Jordan because he's making a run for speaker and um, uh, Jim is a, is a, a political figure now and a, and a powerful one. And so um, at that point, I decided that, um, and, and I had been, when I saw Mike's first article before he went after Jim, I had reached out to Mike. Um, so then that's what got me on all the email lists and all those kinds of things. What do you mean email lists? Well, there's a, when I reached out to Mike, Mike got back to me saying that he was going to forward my information to the people that were doing the investigation, the independent investigation. So they're not victims advocates. They're, they're not Ohio State advocates. They're working with uh, DeWine's office and the attorney general for Ohio, and they're just trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, so I got on that list, and then I got, um, at the time, on Mike's um, sort of communication with his attorneys and his people with the assumption that I was going to come on at some point. Um, then when he um, was aggressively going at Jordan, um, uh, I want to be clear. I don't know what Jordan did or did not know. Right. Um, but I don't think. So you never had a conversation with Jim Jordan about this? Oh God, no, no. I, 
that's that's kind of a it's kind of a rigged question. Did I ever tell Jim Jordan that I had been sexually assaulted or abused by Doc Strauss? Absolutely not. Did I ever have a conversation that Jim Jordan might have been in a periphery to where um, Doc Strauss's inappropriateness was discussed? Yeah. I think that's I think that's an important question. It's to, nuanced, to though. It's it's very nuanced. It, it's definitely nuanced, and I think you know the thing that Brandon and I kind of discussed last podcast was, or at least what I said was, look, I'm not sure that Jim Jordan knew, you know, the ins and outs of everything that occurred, but I did believe, based on the evidence that I've I've seen, that that he had to have some knowledge of that. And and are you confirming that 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 you believe that he maybe had some knowledge of it? Okay, so have you ever met Jim? Have either of you met Jim? Oh yeah, I, okay. I, he he was the main counselor in all most of the Jordan camps I went to. Okay, so um, I I spent two years with Jim, and then um, I knew him from camps that I went to as well. And um, I want to be as as clear about this as I can. Uh, I am as polar opposite from Jim Jordan's politics as a human being can be. I am as radical left as as a person can be. The things that Jim Jordan fights for, I will spend my entire life fighting against. That being said, if Jim Jordan is the Speaker of the House in a few months, while I'm not a fan of that happening, it will be because uh, his voters um, in this area decided to vote him in again and that... Um, and he is real clear about what he stands for. Everybody knows what he stands for. Um, so I have, while I don't, I don't like it politically, I'm not trying to derail anything. And even more than that, the guy I knew, um, and, and I mean this in the, in the best possible way, he was a, he was a Boy Scout. He was, a, he was uh, the genuine article. And I honestly believe that if he would have known or even thought that there was actual abuse going on, I think he would have done something. What I will say is, um, it's, it, it's hard to put into, I'm not totally sure that a 28 or 29-year-old Jim Jordan could even comprehend that that could happen. I don't think it was even in his lexicon to think that this could happen to young men by somebody like that. I, I just don't think... I mean, Jim is, is a conservative in every sense of the word. Um, I couldn't see him even imagining, hey, these guys are talking about, I wonder if they're being honest or if they're trying to hide their feelings through humor. And, man, I should really look into that. I, I just don't see. Does that make sense? I don't think it was it even does. something he could have perceived happening. I know when it happened to me, I couldn't perceive it happening. If anybody would have told me that day when I went to that man's house, like this was even a possibility. It wasn't in my head that it was a possibility. So how can I say it should be in his head that it was a possibility? Does Basically, for a lack of better terms, I mean, because of his beliefs and morals and values and the type of person that he was, um, Jim Jordan is a, is a man who's all about business and, and yeah. every, every facet of his life and that he was probably very naive to the situation. I would assume so. I, I don't think he was um, um, intellectually or emotionally equipped. Not in a bad way. Right. Just that, you know, these things, um, 
it's sorted. And like we didn't, those things didn't get discussed with Jim. If you went out and had a night on the town and, and took a, a girl home and you were bragging about it in the wrestling room the next day, you're bragging about it to Coleman. You're not bragging about it to Jim. Like the, the, the assistant coaches, there's a hierarchy there, right? And the sort of players coach, that was Coleman. Coleman was a guy that would go out and you could have some beers with and get in a fight with and everything's fine. The next day, if you had a black eye, Jim was the guy who'd give you a look, come over and sit next to you. What happened? We shouldn't be doing this. I have always felt, and I have no confirmation of this, but I've always felt that Jim left OSU because he wasn't particularly comfortable with the culture. Okay. Um, the culture of Ohio State wrestling at the time. And again, right. I'm an also ran. I'm not a star. Um, but it was a culture of, of, of um, booze and chicks and, and having a good time. And It's and, a college. Yeah, it's college. I mean, it's, it's, college. Yeah. it's college. But I get the vibe that that, that, that isn't. It's a major D one thing now. Right. But, it's a major D one college D, with one of the, the biggest. Ch- athletic I, I get the budgets. vibe that that uh, uh, that Coach Ryan probably sets a very different tone. Sure, of not course. that Russ was cheering this stuff on, but um, it just was. It's just different now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a different time. So, Mike DeSabato comes out. His articles come out. You get in touch with him. You're on the email list with the with the, with the attorneys. How does New York Times sorry, get yeah, called? Sorry, yeah, sorry. The original involved. question was that. It's okay. So what, what happens is um, I'm on a, a website um, called OhioWrestling.net. And on the this website, net, baby. I, I love it. I, I can't – I still don't understand why it's not like the greatest wrestling website ever. Like, get to use your name. It's thoughtful Because all it is is a message board. It's, it's high. It's high-minded. It's literally just a message board. I don't understand how everybody doesn't do it. It, it, it bothers me. Anyway. Because they can't get logged in. <laughs> Yeah, talk to Hank about that. No, I, I, before we talked to Hank, it took me it took me literally two years to get accepted, which is ridiculous. Uh, blame blame Hank. Period. Well, I'll do that. No, he didn't know. He didn't. Know. I wouldn't vouch for you. They asked me like six times. I said, "No, I'm not vouching for that guy." Our boy Neiman actually finally got us on. Neiman takes care of everything. Um. So. So New York Times. Yes. So what happened was, um, I reached out to uh, a poster on on the dot net. Uh, Rex Holman, who was uh, a transfer student my uh, redshirt freshman year. So the year I left, um, Rex came in as a, as a junior. He finished third that year, won a national title the next year, and then went on to coach at Ohio State. So I reached out to Rex when it first broke, and I said, hey, you were there when I was there. Do you have, did you have any experience with Doc Strauss? I did. Uh, and Rex, uh, Rex came back, and we talked a lot about Larkin's. And and he sort of had a vibe. What is Larkins? It's, yeah, sure. Yeah, just give the listeners a little, uh, just a little description and perspective of, of what Larkins is. Sure. Because one of the things that we've all heard, whether it be in articles or in interviews or whatever, is the 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 the, the Larkins culture. Yeah. Um, and again, when you say it out loud, it is it is ridiculous to think that 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 this happened in the way that it did. Um, it's part of what makes the story unbelievable. Um, but the sort of nature of it. Uh, I hope makes people understand that nobody make this stuff up. Uh, but Larkins Hall was uh, at the time dead center in the middle of campus, sort of caddy corner from from um, the horseshoe, and it housed uh, two different things. It housed all the athletics that were not football and basketball, and or or at least a significant part of that. Uh, and it housed if you were an Ohio State student or faculty member and you were going to work out, this is where you went. So it was both recreational and scholastic sports. 
So basically, this was a place where student athletes and Ohio State employees and Ohio State students and Ohio State students could basically all be in the same place, work out, lifting swim, weights, aerobics weights, classes, shower, swimming, saunas, yep. the entire thing. Yes. Okay. So um, we, you would walk in, and this was something I remember. And again, it's so silly because if you did it now, it'd be a reason a kid wouldn't go to the school with the with the facilities that these kids have today. Um, but at the time, they would show it off, and you, we had our own locker room, which was about twice the size of this room, maybe. And uh, you had to you had to punch in with a code from the general population, and then you had your locker room, and um, and you go across the way, and you've got your sort of graded locker like a football locker would be, and it says you know M Rodriguez at the top, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, and you got your laundry bags and your team issued gear, and you suit up down there, and then you'd go out the door, you'd um, take a left, and you'd walk up a spiral staircase that opened up into the wrestling room. You'd walk in, there's an NCAA sign. Uh, on your left that you'd have to hit every time you came in, which was super cool. And, um, and then you'd, you'd get to work. And then afterwards, you'd go downstairs, you'd, uh, you know, you'd throw your stuff in your laundry bag, hang it up, um, and then you'd go take a shower. But you'd have to leave the, the wrestling locker room to take that shower, and you'd take it with the general population. Um, and the act of walking to the shower, the act of taking a shower... The act of walking back um, was all um, uh, a bizarre, uh, uh, sordid affair. There'd be people watching. There'd be people watching that you knew were there to watch. What do you mean? Just like, yeah, just, it's, just, just I, like again, just, it's, it's a bizarre Just people thing. sitting there watching. So you would walk when you say people, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming we're talking about men. Yeah, yeah. Grown, so you're in the men's locker room. Men. Yep. Yep. Are, we ta- are we talking students or are we just talking random nope. people from the- um, I can only assume that it was faculty because, okay. because they were certainly not student age. So you you're talking. had to be a student, an athlete, or faculty to be yeah. there. So uh, I mean, general population, like a, a guy can't walk in there from Ohio State. You got to show your ID. Like, like Ben's like, just not going to be able to go up in there no, now and watch yeah. people shower. Yeah, you're not coming in from Columbus or whatever. <laughs> so, all right, um, kidding. I, I would urge people uh, so so we don't get into it and 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 waste time on the on a on a on a deep description. Is is Rex Holman did post on on the dot net a, a detailed description of what he called the gauntlet of what the walk to the showers was, what the shower was, and what the walk back was. So there would be, when you walked, there'd be eyes on you. Those same eyes would be there when you got back 10 minutes later. And when you went into the showers, there would be uh, people in there. Doc Strauss would often be one of those people. Um, there would be, um, what's the best way? To, excessive soaping of the genital area. Uh, there would. That's what Mike. I mean, that's what Mike came out and called yeah, it, right? Yeah. Now, and I've, I, there have been accusations of masturbation. In, I was never uh, witness to that specifically. Did I know it happened? Yeah. That's some of those those cultural things, those things that people talk about. Uh, that that it was so pervasive that it's hard to nail down a specific quote. It was just. Woven into the fabric of being there, but does that I make to, sense? I mean, it, it does, Michael. And and I'm sitting here trying to think of this not from the perspective of a 38 year old adult right now, but from the perspective of uh, an 18, 19, 20 year old student. It's athlete amazing how different those perspectives are. You know, right now, if I'm walking that gauntlet, I'm like, "What the hell are you looking at, I man? What, what's going on? This is this is not right." But back then, you guys are probably thinking. 
Well, this is a little weird, but okay, maybe this is just the way things, maybe this is normal. It, it, it was very much like that, and, and I don't think, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong, because I'm not looking to blame the university at all in, in um, I'm not angry at Ohio State, right? But what I can tell you is, is that for someone like me personally, um, the cost of doing business, dealing with that daily, was worth it. I still got to um, uh, walk around campus with my team-issued OSU sweatshirt. I still, and there's a difference. Like, everybody wears OSU gear at OSU, but the team-issue stuff, everybody knows what the team-issue stuff. So when you're sitting in your, you know, uh, you know, your college algebra class or your freshman English class, and you're back there wearing OSU wrestling sweats and OSU wrestling sweatshirt, dude, people know that. And it sounds silly to say at my age now, but it mattered. And and the girls noticed, and the guys noticed, and there was a respect thing, and there was a there was a, a female thing, and and all that was important. And I loved wearing the colors, and I loved being part of it. And that was at the time the cost of doing business. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right, so you contact Rex Holman. All right, he you said you've had an experience with Doctor Strauss. He said he 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 really he never did, um, but he observed you know he this culture at, at larkins hall um we got and, off again from again there, yeah. to the new york times yeah I, I, so, I want the people to know how the new york so times got in touch with you after after uh after a couple back and forths with rex um and uh and a couple back and forths with um with hank cornblue right because he had posted the article originally and then he took it off and i asked him hey did you pull your article and he said yeah uh, and then we went back a little bit and I, I didn't get in any detail, but I said that that I had had a consistent an experience with Dr. Strauss that's consistent with what's being reported. Gotcha. That's what I told Hank and both Hank and um, and Rex came back to me with one phone number. OK, they said you should call Will Knight. OK, uh, Will Knight was a, a wrestler on Ohio yep. State's team as well. Um, Will was a true freshman when I was a redshirt freshman. So I knew of Will, but. Um, very little because I was only there for a few months before uh, things went bad. Certainly. So I, I call Will up and uh, let him know that while this happened to me and I have this story to tell, uh, I'm not comfortable with the way Mike's going at, at uh, Congressman Jordan, and I'm not, uh, I'm not comfortable with the sort of aggressive nature. Um, I want to be clear, up to this point, Ohio State, the 2018 version of Ohio State, has done everything right. They are investigating. They are not shaming or blaming any victims. They are uh, saying we need to get to the bottom of this, whatever it like that's happening. Um, and, and so I wanted to give Ohio State the chance to do what's right. It's there is nobody there. We're talking about institutional memory. There is nobody there now that had anything to do with this. So it's what? not Gordon Gee. It's not Russ Hellickson. It's not Andy Geiger. None of those people are there. Right. So um, Ohio State is doing Everything right. They're a formal investigation that they are detached from. That's objective. Um, so I didn't like the aggressive style with which Mike was was going at it. Now, if I can, a little caveat in that. That doesn't mean Mike's wrong. And no, I doesn't, hear you. Like the fact that Mike decided. Yeah, right. sorry. The fact that Mike had the courage to come out um, when I I did not. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I would not have felt safe enough to come out. Even to me, too. Mike came out first. And and then Yetz came out after him, and then then they made their video with Coleman and Hellickson, and and then I felt comfortable enough to come out under the cover that these guys 
that I'm running away from, without their cover, I wouldn't have come out at all. So there's there's something to be said for what they did and, and how they did it. Um, it's just not the particular story that I want to tell. I, I don't think anything that has to do with Jim Jordan furthers the cause. I think it gets political and people right. get upset. So Will Knight um, told me that he had a guy who was a lawyer, had a law firm with his brother and his father that is advising him, but nothing formal, and that uh, that maybe I should talk to him. Uh, that guy's Rocky Ratliff, who transferred in, uh, I believe, in 95. And um, so I started talking. Any relation to Jeff Ratliff? Yes, they are brothers. They're both uh, part of this law firm. And, um, oh, Jeff's a lawyer, huh? Yeah, yeah. And um, so in talking with Rocky, uh, he had uh, just sort of a plan of of getting the story out there, um, sort of taking the baton from from Mike and 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 moving the ball down the field. And part of that was, hey, I know this guy from the New York Times. Would you be willing to sit down and talk with him off the record? I agreed. We went down to Eddie George's place in Grandview. And um, so they came to you in person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then I, I spoke with him for, for a few hours and uh, he was a good guy and I felt comfortable. And I said, uh, when I left, you can go ahead and use my name. And, and, uh, and that's what became the, the New York times story. I did not know. Ironically, um, I had been talking with Nick Nutter sort of behind the scenes because his story and my story have some parallels. And um, as it turned out, the guy, Mark Tracy, who wrote my article was communicating with someone who was writing an article about Nick, and those two came together in the article that was written um, that you're mentioning. Gotcha. All right. And then since then, the thing's kind of blown up a bit, yeah. obviously. Um, so real quick, let's. I just want to go back for just a second. You were, I mean, listening to you talk about your time at Ohio State, you were excited. You were, you were super excited. You were thrilled about it. I could tell you loved it. I mean, obviously there's this issue here. Um, yet you left after a year and a half. And I think before we, you know, started this, one of the questions I, I asked you, I was just out of curiosity was, was this the reason why you left? And you had an interesting answer for me earlier. Would you mind kind of repeating it here? No. And this is where, um, things get weird because none of this has anything to do with wrestling and anybody who knows me, uh, sometime in the future, I would love to come back here and talk wrestling. <laughs> right. That would be awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, um, oh, what has happened with me telling this story to, um, uh, to to my daughter, uh, to my um, my my girlfriend, to the people I uh, have close to me, then the investigators call and I and I talk to them, and as I'm as I'm talking, they ask different questions, and it makes you um, makes you sort of go deeper. And one of the questions they asked was, um, and so I tell them my whole story and she says, um, this is the investigator saying, uh, and so you left the university soon after that. And I said, yes. And she said, did it have anything to do with you leaving the university? And I said, um, my God, I had never even thought of that. Right. Uh, at the time, no, at the time, my stated reasons for leaving was, uh, it was a bad fit. I'm a big fish in a little pond kind of guy. I'd have been better served at, at uh, you know, Ashland or John Carroll or something like that. Like, this is a bad fit for me. Um, uh, but as I look back at decisions I made um, surrounding that, uh, 
like, um, and I, I believe I said this online, I, I never went back to practice after that. I never went back to class after that. When you say after that, what are we referring uh, after, to? Um, so there were, as it turns out, there were um, two tiers. Well, three, if you include the voyeurism of, um, of inappropriateness with Dr. Strauss. The one was the shower stuff. Um, two was um, physical exams and physicals where he would um, linger too long in the genital area or he would. Um, um, I think you'd mentioned something about getting too up, too up close and personal. Well, I, I could tell you for, for, for me personally. Right. So there was the, the, the turn your head and cough thing that happens in, in every uh, physical, um, which we've all been there. It's like a four or five second thing that's super uncomfortable. And he's standing up next to you and he does his thing. And that's that. Uh, for Dr. Strauss, um, he would always have a stool. So he'd be uh, at, at eye level uh, with your genitals, which already sort of presents a, a an oral sex kind of vibe. And then he would spend, I don't know, say two minutes um, probing, moving. Um, and, and he would say... He's, you know, you have glands down here that he needs to check or you have, he's got to be thorough. Um, and at the time you got to remember, and this sounds so weird because I'm a 18, 19 year old guy at the time. I'm an adult. I had never been to a doctor without my parents. This was the first doctor I ever saw that my mom wasn't like in the waiting room or something, or even in the room. Like, no, you, this was the first doctor I had ever seen like that. So was it weird? Yeah. Did I think it was bizarre? Sure. I, it, did it rise to the level of abuse in my head at the time? No. But even if it did, I don't know that I would have said anything. Um, but that kind of stuff, there was also, let's say you were had a skin infection or you were getting your ear drained or something. Um, the, the, the intimacy with which he would deal with you, sort of cradling your face and being entirely too close uh, for extended amounts of time, um, this is what he would do when you were in a, a clinical setting. Uh, and that was sort of tier two. And then tier three was um, after hours, Doc was the guy you could call. If you got in a fight and you thought maybe you broke your hand, you had Doc's number and you could call and he'd take a look at it. If, uh, if you had a skin infection break out over the weekend and you want to be good to go and practice by Wednesday, you got to get on your medicine like on Saturday or on Sunday, and you could go to Doc and he tossed you some medicine. I did that on occasion. Uh, I The event that happened between Doc and I that the article writes about, um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, uh, I had crabs. And uh, I called him up because I didn't realize that that's what it was until I realized that that's what it was. Um, and I'm no doctor. Uh, it took me like five seconds to realize that's what was going on. And uh, when I went to Doc, it was a uh, it was a 10 minute ordeal that uh, started out a lot like a physical exam, but ended up uh, in what could only be described as a as a sexual assault. Where did that happen at? That happened at his home. That's so he, where. So he invited you to his home to, to examine you. Or? And this was not the first time. Like I said, okay. I, I remember I got in a fight once and I thought I broke my hand. And I called him up and I said, Doc, I think my hand might be broken. And he's like, come on by the house. I'll check it out. So he checked it out and he, um, did he uh, sexually assault you? No, no. He checked out my hand and that was that. And he said, you're fine. We don't need an x-ray. We'll tape you tomorrow morning. No big deal. Um, 
Same thing with uh, with skin infections. I would go, I'd be like, I got a breakout. I don't have any medicine. So he'd come swing by the house. I'll toss you some medicine. I never, I never, you, you didn't have to fill a prescription. It's part of that, that you're on the team thing. I got right. this guy that, you know, so those. I happened. got the hookup. Yeah, right. And so this was just another thing where Doc was going to help me out. And so I went and, and um, I walk in the door, close the door behind me, asked to sort of see the problem. Which, in this context, I had no problem. Dropped right. my pants. It wasn't a thing. Um, uh, and again, the, the, the proximity issue, I, I can't stress that part enough. It's just odd to have somebody sort of down there doing their work. Um, and uh, what started off very much like a physical, the first couple of minutes, were exactly like every physical I've ever had. Where, yeah, he's a little bit too handsy and, and he's touching and prodding and um, entirely too familiar. And, and again, for something that a layman would know, that's exactly right. what it is after three seconds of looking at it, right? Um, but then uh, what happened, and, and, and this is when, you, when you're a 19-year-old kid and you think about how you would explain it, and it, it never dawned on me to ever explain it to anybody. But when I hear... Uh, what was it? Schultz had a uh, had a tweet the other day about about consent and what right. makes consent. Yeah, we, right? we brought that up in the last podcast. Yeah. Sure. So so um, and it's odd to say, but we'll just put it out there. So this is going on. I'm standing up. He's on a stool or and uh, and sort of manipulating and doing his thing. And um, and I got an erection. Um, and then I realize, Jesus, like. If this is like a test balloon by him, I'm telling him I'm down. Like, if I don't say something or do something right now, this is going to go further. Right? And Did you say something? Uh, not really. No. Like, uh, first off, um, uh, because I hear a lot of this online, why didn't you beat the crap out of him? Right. right? It never dawned on me to hit the man. Never. And he was a wiry little guy. I bet he was 130 pounds dripping wet. Um, uh, and if you would have told me the day before this was going to happen, I'd have told you I'd beat the crap out of him, right? Uh, it never dawned on me to, to hit him. Um, I can only imagine that you were probably paralyzed oh, with shock and, um, disbelief. And I mean, at minimum, I mean, it was a very, very awkward situation oh, completely. that and, you're not used to handling, don't know how to handle. Yeah. And what what do you do? Here's a here's a university doctor. Yep. You're a guy that's probably third or fourth on the depth chart, just loving being able to wear yeah. the team gear, be a part of the team, and this is going on. Yeah. So, if you don't mind me asking, sure, this is how the 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 incident came to fruition. Ultimately, how did it end? What how, how did you get out of all, there? All that happened was um, again, and that and what was probably a, a ten minute process from beginning to end. Um, and I realized that that this situation is going to escalate. Um, and, and thank God, uh, it happened the way it did because, and I want to be clear about this for all the, cause when Mike talks, he's, he's real big, Mike DeSabato, real big on that, that sort of, it was fondling and it was this, but there was nothing gay about it. Like there's, um, uh, as if to sort of say, if there was something gay about it, that makes it like more egregious or more like, this was super gay. I like, don't think anybody's yeah, saying no, that the no, wrestler but, involved is, no, is gay. No, but, but at what the time, the at the time, 
at the time you're thinking again, your 19 year old self, right? Where I've ended up a pretty liberal minded guy, but at the time I'm thinking to myself, what does it say about me that I'm doing this? And am I, some part of me is thinking I'm like leading this guy on, like I'm giving him the go ahead and had it have gone further. I can sit here saying, I have no idea if I would have like, I don't know what that leads to. So before it went further, I sort of leaned back. And when you lean back, you know, that's it. It sort of, sort of breaks. And I'm like, Hey doc, you, you got that shampoo? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he stands up, walks out of the room. And while he walks out of the room, I pull my pants up, buckle my belt. He comes back in, tosses me shampoo. I catch it. Thanks doc. And I left. And that was it. Um, so next day, there is no next day. You never went back. Yeah, there, there is you no, never next went day. back to the team, never went back to school. I never, never went back I, to class. Nope. That was it. I was a shut in, um, in my little apartment on, on, uh, West 11th <laughs> and, uh, um, and my roommates knew something's wrong, but, um, you know, they ended up uh, contacting my folks and my folks inquired and, and uh, uh, you didn't tell them anything. No. It was more about uh, I, I made it about culture about right. this place isn't right for me. I don't feel comfortable here. I'm not. I'm drowning here. I gotta. I gotta start over. Well, well, let's talk about that. So, you know, obviously we talked about the .dot net here a couple of times, and you did post something on it, and I, and I thought that it was it was a very articulate way to post this, and, and I kind of want to read it, um, and then you can kind of respond to it. You sure. Said, and this was in response to um, why you left. You wrote at the time I didn't use it as the reason I left. I was struggling in a lot of areas, and I outwardly blamed leaving the university on those reasons. Looking back, I can see that it played a large role in me leaving. I think that it's telling that I never went back to practice after that. I never even told Russ, Russ Helkson, I was leaving. I just stopped going to class, stopped going to practice. I never saw Strauss's face again until Mike made his first allegation and his picture was in the paper. I mean, that is some powerful stuff. And, and, and I think that's that, that's the question is, you didn't – maybe you didn't – you couldn't comprehend why that was the reason why you left at the time I mean, because the or, same reason or why – since. Right. Like between now and then if somebody asked me and it happened often on, on the .net as I am known as somebody who, while maybe not a hater, is not a huge fan of Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but I had never – I mean there were, I I've articulated several times on that website that it was just a bad fit for me. That, right. That, and, and put most of the onus on myself. I was immature, which I was. Sure. You took the blame. But yeah. the thing is, you take the blame for something that you are not blameful for. Like, yeah, you, you shouldn't be blamed man, for that. it's a way easier way to go. No. <laughs> right, right. It's so, it's so much easier. Like, right. Self, self-effacing Hey, self-deprecation real easy, man. <laughs> but, but that's a really powerful quote. So, you know, as Brandon kind of said earlier, was that the reason why you left? And you don't know until now. But so how ha, how have you started to realize that it, this has affected you and affected your life since you were nineteen, twenty years old? Yeah. What well, what gets really strange about that is is um, wrestling itself. Um, and I joke about this all the time. Being a being a liberal, is that uh, I have always viewed wrestling as a as a um, as a Republican sport. It's a lift yourself up by your bootstrap sport. It is a you get out what you put into kind of sport. It's a it's a rural sport as opposed to a city sport, right? Um, and the lessons I have learned from from the sport, which is a huge part of what makes me who I am, are lessons about um, of self reliance and self discipline. And um, so, uh, I have never been someone to sort of play the victim card and. And, and I want to be careful here that while 
clearly this had an influence. And as I look back on it, it had more influence than I thought at the time. Uh, but these are decisions I made as a grown man uh, that I have to take responsibility for. Um, and it's not just leaving the university. My, my life went on a, on a very odd track after that. Um, uh, I got uh, married a few months later to a, a, a wonderful girl who I thought would take care of me at the time. I moved out to Pennsylvania um, and didn't talk to family and friends for, for years. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time that it was all sort of survival mode. There's a, an amazing amount of shame that goes with what I thought at the time. And, and this is real. I don't know where the shame about what happened w- with me that day meets the shame about just failing at Ohio state. I went to Ohio state for me and my people with a diff, uh, a certain amount of fanfare. You're going to go down there and make good and, and show them what you're about. And, and, and that didn't happen. You had aspirations. Uh, yeah, I was an also ran and that's okay. So I didn't know where the shame from failing at Ohio state um, stopped and the shame from this thing happening and the role I played in it started. And I still don't. I sit here right now and I have no clue. Um, well, I will tell you this, Michael. I mean, it, it it's it's great that you're at least able to sit here and talk about it, um, especially now. It's better now, better better late than never. Yeah, okay? yeah. Um, and we're very fortunate. We appreciate, you know, uh, very greatly that you, you're sitting here with us today talking about this. Um Let's change gears just a bit. Sure. We've we've kind of talked about Mike DeSabato a little bit. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I really don't want to give him any more attention mm. than what he already gets himself. Yeah. But I just want to ask you the question. Sure. Mike DeSabato got this whole thing started. And I think Mike DeSabato is also the one that really, really pulled – Jim Jordan into this situation. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously Jordan was a coach at the time. Obviously his name should be mentioned with this situation. Um, but it really the focus should always go on the head coach and the administration and, and whatnot in these types of situations. Not that Russ did or didn't do anything that he should have or shouldn't have done. Um, Anybody that understands and knows Mike DeSabato's history knows that he's got a large bone to pick with the university. Okay, we we talked about it in our last episode. It's been written about many you know many times. He had a very lucrative contract with the with the athletic department for his company Silver Knight. My question to you, and this is just an opinion. I just want your opinion on this. Do you think Mike's motivation in this is because of? what happened and the victims that that it happened to or do you think Mike's motivation in this is financially driven for his own benefit based on what maybe he perceives he lost when he lost his deal with the Ohio State Athletic Department um that is a a a great and and hard question first and foremost um I have communicated with Mike uh through text um just about basically about this happening um, Let me just clarify sure. one thing. I'm talking Mike's motivation to really pull Jim Jordan, sure. the politician, into sure. this. Sure. Um, I'm not in Mike's head, um, so I, I certainly can't speak for him. Just your opinion, Mike. Just my opinion. Um, I think that um, Mike has been involved with um, with sports and media and promotion uh, for a long time and that the 
Jim Jordan angle on this story um, is one that um, a first-year marketing student would know is going to be a hook. Um, I have uh, private messages that I've spoken to to Rex Holman about where I said to him, I'm not really comfortable coming out with this because we've got a sitting congressman that's going to get embroiled in this. I know it, and I don't want to be part of that. Uh, I have heard through reports that there are 14 sports, so 13 other than wrestling. That means there are 13 assistant coaches that are not Jim Jordan. I don't know any of their names because they're not in the press. So at some point it becomes about him and him being in a position of power in government. And um, I get that Jim can be self-righteous and I get that Jim is conservative and and backs an unpopular president, um, which all makes it a good story. Um, I do not necessarily agree with that take on this story. I think it takes away from the victims and it takes away from, from the issue. At the same time, I'm not totally sure I'm talking to you and I am totally sure I don't get to talk to the New York Times unless Jordan's name gets brought in. So while I think it is um, uh, sorted and I think it is um, I, I, it is debatable on, on the scruples of bringing it in, but there's no doubt that it's effective. And I think that he was probably thinking about effectiveness. Well, and that's my question is, okay, okay so you're right. It was effective. It was effective to get the news story national run t- airtime in a non-wrestling atmosphere. Sure. But to me, yeah, that, but why? But okay, So I guess the question that I have is, does Mike DeSabato have ulterior motives for coming forward beyond what he says at times that – he wants to make sure the victims are, you know, that they receive an appropriate uh, resolution. Does he have ulterior motives? Because, I mean, ultimately, if I'm if I'm being honest with myself, and sure. giving, you know, just my honest, honest opinion about the situation, it's unfortunate. But I feel that the world that we live in today, taking into consideration when these things happened. The victims they happen to being men, not women, okay, Mm -hmm. that this situation would have been in the news for a bit, okay? It would have been in the news for a bit, probably not very long, would have seen some blurbs here and there, you know, something that happened, you know, over 30 years ago, all that kind of stuff. But because of the political angle that's what's given it. Look, politics Lex. is media sexy Lex. to media. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. media. That, that's what they love. Whenever they can get out a politician, that that creates interest because you have it's so divisive. Okay, so that draws attention to the situation. Sure. So on one hand, like you said, I'm like, man, Mike. You know, this is Mike DeSabato. It's it's who he is that makes it difficult. But on the other hand, look what it's done to draw attention to this situation and the fact that hey, listen, this stuff not only happened, this stuff can happen to men too. But my st- my question still goes back, you know, just like Ben just you know reiterated reiterated again. Was his mode? Do you think his motives were because he was he really cared about the victims and what happened, or because he's got an axe to grind with the admin? Well, there's there, there's two things. One, I I really want to mention that I don't think anybody has actually thought of, and I just sitting here, it I I considered it at the time. Um, it is absolutely possible. In fact, and I think. If you look at uh, at emails, 
it might reveal this to be um, truthful, although I can't speak for Mike, is that Mike um, reached out to Jim early on. And I believe Jim's response was something to the effect of, keep me out of it. Um, knowing Mike, um, cause I'm pretty sure Mike reached out to them and said, Hey, you want to get ahead of this, right? It this is, is it, what's going to come understanding. out. And, and, and the Jim Jordan that I knew, okay. The Jim Jordan from, from, you know, 25 years ago, 27 years ago, um, was somebody who, it is my opinion, the guy got some bad advice. Um, he could, I couldn't agree more. He could have been so far in front of this thing, standing toe-to-toe, shoulder-to-shoulder with his wrestlers, right? And I'm not saying that that means he knew anything or I, I do not hold Jim Jordan responsible for anything. Of course not. No, but, but I do think it is possible, not fact, but possible, that when Mike reached out and Jim sort of shut it down, man, keep me out of it. I don't want to be part of this. Um, that... That might have pissed Mike off. Yeah, but I also think it's worth noting that Mike also, I'm pretty sure based on what we've read and what's been put out there, contacted Ohio State and basically said, I'll keep my mouth shut for a certain sum of money. Yes. Okay, so that, it goes back to what I, was I've, his... What I've was heard his those old, reports, although I haven't, I haven't seen sort of the... But it's out there in the lexicon that that, that happened. Yeah. Right. So um, I, 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 And I, I guess my issue with that is is... The Ohio State University... Um, is not going to get brought down by anyone. So if you got an axe to grind with the university, um, the university is going to win, period. There is no number that the university could pay out that is, that is going to bankrupt the university. I think Michigan State, which is not Ohio State, $500 million they put out to the 332 victims of the, of the Larry Nassar abuse scandal, right? And... Michigan State's still up there. They're still doing their thing. They're still on the schedule for the football season. You're not bringing down Ohio State. So to have an axe to grind, um, for me personally, it, it doesn't seem um, it doesn't seem rational. You're not sullying Ohio State's good name. But I don't think it's sullying his good their, So if you're talking about name, a financial I think game. it's financial. It's okay. my, my thing, and this is just outsider looking in. Nope. You know, you read what you read, and you're, you're just trying to you know, comprehend and, Absolutely. and put the pieces together. Here's a guy who had a very lucrative deal with the athletic department okay. back in the Cut short by Nike, if I'm correct, Cut, right? Yes, when the new athletic director um, signed that contract with Nike, he told him at the time, Mike DeSabato told them, this will ruin me. And they did it anyway, and of course it did, and that led to lawsuits against yep. Mike and, yep. and, and probably lo- lots of money being lost sure. to this now. I'm just going to tell you my personal opinion, and I, I don't know Mike DeSabato. I only know what, what, I've, what you hear about him. I've never heard one nice thing about the guy. I know Ben has some very strong feelings about him. <laughs> but the bottom line is the guy is motivated by money, okay? He's motivated by money. He's he, you know, we've heard stories how he screwed a lot of people in the wrestling community out of money, and here's a guy who who lost a lot of money, and now suddenly this came out, and I think, I think I could get on board with partially believing that a part of this guy did have some some good cause in his heart to do this had he had not said, "I will keep my mouth shut if you pay me money." Yeah. So the university says, "Nope." How else do you get to how what's the next thing that you do? You find a high powered politician t- 
to tell them I'm going to drag your name through this mud to see if they'll pull strings for you. Yep. I, um, Maybe I, I'm just watching no, too many movies. No, I don't no. know. I understand the take. Um, and and um, I think that, that the, the motivation, the particular motivation, um, is something only Mike can tell you, right? Um, but what I will say as, as someone who this happened to and as someone who has talked to other people who this has happened to, um, whatever Mike's motivations were, uh, the story isn't false, right? Now, right, and I and I agree with right? that. I think we both agree. With that. Yeah. Now, now, the and I and I believe I said this on the on the .net was that, um, and we we've been doing this to women for years. They got to be perfect victims, right? What was she wearing? Why was she there? Why is she coming forward right. now? Victim what blaming, is, right? What does she stand to gain? And and when you do it to women, uh, which happens all the time, um, uh, the the one of the things it about this process about me going through this process is the entire thing. Um, um, God, without and I am a feminist and I'm raising a feminist. I don't mean for this to sound um, uh, negative. The feeling is incredibly feminine. It is uh, these people sort of. Um, questioning my motives and questioning um i've heard everything from it's a money grab to i'm part of the deep state and i'm i'm trying to bring down a congressman or right right um um none of those things are true i have filed no lawsuits um i don't necessarily plan to follow to file a lawsuit um it, it is uh this is something we do as a, as a culture um is that we just because Mike DeSabato has an axe to grind with Ohio State or has a litigious past, right? Or just because Denasha Yetz has served time for, for, for a crime does not make their story any less true. And I think that that's kind of a question that, that, that I have is do you think some members of the public are skeptical about the allegations because who first led the charge? Absolutely. And that's twofold. It's onefold on Mike. DeSabado having a litigious past and and having a perception of uh, an axe to grind with the university. And then the second side of that is when you go at Jordan, now you get this liberal conservative thing going on. So everybody just goes to their political corners and one side says it's a it's a, you know, a takedown of a rising Republican star. And the other guy says he knew all about it and covered it up. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um uh, I I believe in my heart of hearts, and I can only tell you my particular um, firsthand knowledge. I cannot blame Jim Jordan for not doing anything about something I did not tell him about. If I would have, that's a great point. Yeah, I didn't. So if I have so much shame and so much, and it's not the university's fault. There's this pressure. And it's the same thing that happened at Michigan State. It's the same thing that happened at Penn State. It's the same thing that happened in the Catholic Church. These giant institutions that their worth is just existing, right? If you asked, what do you think? This is a question for you. If you asked um, Franklin County or even all of the state of Ohio, who do you think would poll higher, the Catholic Church or the Ohio State University? In Franklin County? Yeah. 
Oh, Ohio State University. And it ain't none. even close. Ain't even close. Right? And that 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 horseshoe I love um, Ohio State. was like a cathedral. That place, the fandom that goes on there in a good way, in a positive way for the community and for everything that surrounds Ohio State. It is a positive force. There are a lot of reasons to 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 protect the scarlet and gray. And unknowingly at the time, I did the exact same thing. My default was um, take the hit on yourself, bow out gracefully, get the heck out of town, go to Pennsylvania and lick your wounds and try to get a college education somewhere else. And, and I did that at the time. How can I blame Jim Jordan for doing the same? I didn't give him the information. If I had walked into Jim Jordan's office and I would have said, hey, this happened to me last night. I called Doc Strauss. I went to his house. He did this. There is no doubt in my mind that the same Jim Jordan that goes after Benghazi or the same Jim Jordan that goes after the FBI now um, would have gone after that. I, I don't think the man's evil. I don't think the man is like tainted by being conservative. Um, everybody can agree that sexual abuse is wrong. Nobody's on the side of sexual abuse, certainly not Jim Jordan. No, I and, agree. And if, I, and if anybody would have gone to him with those kind of accusations, I think he would have stepped up and, and taking care of the problem. Um, I think I think he would have beat the crap out of the man and dragged him out. I really do. The, the, the problem is that the problem I have with Jim and in something like this, I think about just this exact quote getting cut and um, and exerted somewhere out in the media. The problem I have with Jim Jordan is that I was watching a. Uh, I think it was CNN, maybe. It was the 4th of July weekend. And he was signing autographs and shaking hands and doing the politician thing at, at some cookout. And they asked him about the allegations, and he said, I didn't know anything, I didn't see anything, I don't... And, um, and then some very smart reporter asked the question, okay, but you knew the man, right? Yes, I did. So, looking back on it now, the man you knew, does this seem out of character? And he fumbled for a minute, Stumbled back, hesitated, and said, no, no, it doesn't seem in character. Out of character or in character? He said it doesn't seem in character. And for me, personally, I I don't think that that is true. I think that he has gotten some advice that says, listen. Distance yourself as much as possible. And and he's not, he wasn't responsible to know. Russ knew enough. The AD knew enough. You're talking about a 28, 29-year-old assistant that um, he's... I'm not, he's 10 years older than me at the time. Right. His job is to be, ironically enough, a moral compass for that team and to roll around with the best guys. That's what he did back then. And you probably, no one can say that he did not do that. And he absolutely did his job. So, speaking of Jim Jordan, sure. and let's get off the Mike DeSabato angle. Yeah. Um, I think we've given him enough attention. Um, Another assistant coach at the time, Mark Coleman. You mentioned yeah. him earlier. Okay. Uh, Mark Coleman, um, legendary Ohio State guy. Um, the King. Back in July. <laughs> he used to have me call him King. Like that was like a, a thing. Like I remember having to address him. And I'm like, hey, Coach Coleman. He's call me King. <laughs> and then what do you do? I'm a 26-pounder. I, I mean, you do what you're told. Like, <laughs> you do what you're told. When exactly. Mark Coleman tells you to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but back in July, he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal. And I'm going to read this sure. quote. There's no way unless 
he's got dementia or something, that he's got no recollection of what was going on at Ohio State. This is Coleman speaking about Jim Jordan. Mm -hmm. I have nothing but respect for this man. I love this man, but he knew as far as I'm concerned. That was back in July. Yes. And he has since recanted, if I'm correct. Recanted upon that statement, um, Fox News has recently released a statement in which Mark Coleman states, quote, at no time did I ever say or have any direct knowledge that Jim Jordan knew of Dr. Richard Strauss's inappropriate behavior. I have nothing but respect for Jim Jordan as I have known him for more than 30 years and know him to be of impeccable character. Why the change? And just your opinion. No, I mean, yeah, so, John, well, this is well, just, well and now we're, this is what me and Ben do. Now we're just speculating bullshit. I got no problem like with that, that whatsoever. Uh, what I could say is, is uh, again, with um, it's so surreal to be part of a national story. And it makes me question every other story I hear because this one I have firsthand knowledge of. Right. So it makes me question every story I hear about. And I'm not one of these mainstream media conspiracy people. But man, like. Things get all twisted up, and it's it's a mess. Um, my understanding is that um, uh, Congressman Jordan is a rising star in the Republican Party, as he should be. Uh, if I was a Republican, Jim Jordan would be my guy. He stands for everything. He is on the for everything that is that is sort of important to the platform. Um, you told me this on the phone before yeah. when we first started speaking. You said, and I, I, I this stands out to me, Jim Jordan was Tea Party before the Tea Party oh, even yeah. existed. Yeah, and he this was back a role. when he was at Ohio yeah. State. Yes. No. I, I have I have always felt that um, that that Jim is a, a evangelical Christian. Jim is a conservative, uh, both socially and fiscally, um, and and Jim has lived a life. Those conservative values that that. Um, that wrestling can teach about lifting yourself up by your bootstraps and about being responsible for yourself and about making your way in the world. Jim personifies that um, and did back then. Uh, So Jim is now a rising star in the Republican Party. He is tenacious. He is well-spoken. He's not afraid to go out on a limb. Uh, he, He still has some of that all shucks kind of a feel to him where he's down to earth enough to, to hang with the people of Urbana. Right. Um, but with that comes, um, a mechanism that I do not have that Mark Coleman does not have that Mike DeSabato does not have. And that mechanism is, is a, um, there's this, uh, machine behind him. And it is my understanding that that machine reached out to Mark Coleman that that machine let Mark Coleman know that you've said these things. Are you sure you want to say these things? There's no gray area in these things that you've said. Um, and really, let's be honest. How can you be in another man's head? So his quote is basically, um, if he's in the same place I'm at, how come he doesn't know what I know? I'm All I'm expecting Jim to know is the same thing I know. And the same thing all the kids knew, and the same thing the head coach knew, and um, I think what we're we're getting into here is uh, uh, it's like Clinton back in the day. Uh, you know what is what's the 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 definition of is is we're splitting hairs. Did the man know about abuses? No. 
do I think, like Coleman said originally, that you'd have to be blind not to know something was off in that room? I agree with Coleman there. Does that mean in 1990 that you would make the jump to sexual abuse or sexual assault? It just wasn't in anyone's vocabulary to make that jump. And he, again, if he had different advice now, and I would argue the Jim Jordan that I know would say, man, I wish I could go back. I I think he absolutely would. Because you can handle this in a way to show strength and to still be as concerned, and then you could be leading the charge. How about you and me and Mike DeSabato and the whole crew? Make sure this never happens to any other kid again. You can do that. He got he got some real bad advice because, as I think we both mentioned on the podcast last time, is he could have came out and said, you know, now, yeah, now that I look at this, that's fine. Now that I look, now that I look at this, look, you know, I was. 20-something years old at the time. It wasn't his responsibility. Yeah. Russ is handling this. I was Russ a coach, yeah. yeah. And you know what? Now when I look back on it, I realize that I probably could have done things differently, but I'm going to stand next to these guys, and I'm going to make sure that everything is done right. And he didn't do that. And trust your electorate yeah. to know, hey, these things are nuanced. It was a really bad idea. Nobody's going to think that, that you're like pro-molestation. I mean, they're, and, and, and I think that... that, that um, these sort of and, and this and not to get political, right? And again, I'm a. Well, I mean, I'm you a, can get political. Well, but what we're, I'm saying is, we're that, probably not going. Is to, that I can. am a biased observer, right? But I believe that even the 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 conservative voter is nuanced enough to know that 30 years ago, right, there was there was a different stand. It would be like. And we just gloss over. It would be like holding the founding fathers for having slaves. Like, yeah. like this was the best um, thinking at the time. Right. And is it wrong? It was different. Absolutely. Area. But it, nobody knew it was wrong. Not like that. I thought it was wrong, and I felt it was wrong, but not enough to say anything. Not enough to put it out there, and to expect him, as a twenty-nine-year-old assistant coach, to go what over the head of his head coach, right. who's already talking to people. It, it's. It's outside of the bounds of what his job responsibilities would have been, even if he was going to be sort of super awesome guy. Like, no, nobody would have thought to do that. And and the reason I know this is because I didn't do it. I, I'm a talker, clearly. Right. And it never dawned on me to be like, you know. I should go to gym with this. And, and and you said you're a biased observer, and I think I think what you meant there is a biased observer in terms of um, uh, like, Republican and Democrat. Right. Not what you mean. Crap. Not what you mean by the reason why you're coming forward. Oh no, no. The the reason and and this is this gets into when people talk about um, talk about Mike uh, and Mike's motives and that sort of thing is that I am now uh, again part of a national story that that gets lumped into these motives. Um, one of the reasons I posted on that .NET site was I wanted two people to comment because I've been reading and just watching and reading and watching. And uh, and to his credit, uh, Justin Hayes asked a question, and I was glad he did because he sort of uh, was uh, skeptical of the of the stories coming out. I remember I think it was Brady Hyatt who just said just the one word, unbelievable. Meaning I just don't believe it like this just didn't happen. Right. And there's there's that um, that element to it. Right. And that's all surrounded by the political stuff. If it wasn't for the political stuff, nobody would go there. Everybody would tends to believe the victims. And let's let's err on the side that they're telling the truth unless we find something that says they're not right. 
So one of the reasons I posted was was uh, Justin was particularly um, skeptical, and then Bob Prusy, who is a staple in the uh, in the wrestling media world. I mean, I grew up on amateur wrestling news, and and um, like every once in a while on a ranking, like you'd be just one name in an entire book, and you'd be like, "Yeah, I got an amateur wrestling news." Like I I love Bob, right? And Bob's big thing is that it's a money grab. Um, and a lot of people's big thing is a money grab. When you talk about Mike DiSabato, it's the money grab aspect of it. Yeah, because Bob also stated that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. Sure. He's known Russ Hellickson for a long time. Russ Hellickson is a man of the most upstanding moral Unimpeachable. Um, unimpeachable. And I agree. his word is Bible. I agree. And I agree that his word is Bible. And I agree I would put um, Jordan on the same level. But the problem with Jordan is... And they both, they both had this happen on their watch. Co- that is undeniable. Correct. But, but, but the thing with Jordan, unfortunately, Jordan's the politician in this. And yeah. to his defense, this is where I will... Yeah, nobody's talking Kenny Churto right now. Right. This, right? Is, this is where I will... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there were other assistant coaches. Nobody's talking about any of them. Uh, Rex Holman was an assistant coach. I mean, but, nobody's talking about any of them. It's just at the political part, it gets toxic. Right. And, and, and to, to Jordan's defense, you know, or whatever advice that he got, sure. it's unfortunate, but... He in, could still come in out the world that we live in today yep. with people's perspective, people being us, the average people's perspective of po- politics in the United States. It's basically you're Republican. I'm not voting for you or I am voting for you. You're a Democrat. I'm not voting for you or I am voting for you. And not only you're that, Republican, I'm on the other side. Correct. If you're if you're up, I'm down. Jim if you're jo- left, I'm right. If you're. Yeah, exactly. OK, so Jim Jordan. Wow. He is a far, far right conservative Republican. I'm not. He did it. He knew. Yeah. Jim Jordan. He is a far right conservative Republican. I am. He did not know about this. And I am here. One of the reasons I wanted to come to this specifically. Um, because I said it in, in the interview to the Times and it didn't really get in the paper. One of the things that I wanted to say is it doesn't get too much further left than me. And I got no beef with Jim Jordan or the way he handled the situation. Again, I'm completely against his politics. And I will, in the through my voting record and through completely legal channels, I will do everything I can to fight the things that he stands for. And I will raise a child that fights what he stands for. But that doesn't mean the man knew about things that I don't think he knew about because I didn't tell him. If Now, now Yetz has come out and said, he specifically said about one instance. Yetz did say that he, yes. did, he did talk to him. Yeah. <clears throat> and, so, and that's where it gets nuanced. So one thing I want to hit on is, as you say, you know, Jim Jordan, you know, he probably, you know, he... He didn't know the exact things that were going on. Plus, he had a head coach above him that did know, or something of that nature, or knew enough, or knew enough. So, talk to me about Hellickson. I think that it's, I think it's a fair question because afterwards, <sighs> afterwards, it's this is in the paper. Hellickson texted Yetz and Asabado and asked them to maybe not the word recant might not have been the thing, but to clarify, massage your statement, clarify their statements because he was getting pressure. From Jim Jordan to come out with a strong, supportive, and that's what statement. I'm talking about with the the mechanism. So Jordan talk to me has about a, this. Yeah, Jordan has a machine behind him, um, as as leaders do. Like um, very few, although our our current president, he's his own man and sort of got there politically at least on on his own. Right. Most people, when you think about 
uh, campaigns and running for office. And we're talking about a, a, an, an entire network of people that are working to get one person to one place and then in a place after that and a place after that. And uh, Jim Jordan is a relatively young man. He is a rising star in the party. Um, if I were Jim Jordan, I would have presidential um, aspirations. I absolutely would. Um, there, why wouldn't he? He's going to make a legit run at Speaker of the House. I hope that that is not something he can do because I want the House to flip. But if the House doesn't flip, <laughs> he should absolutely be Speaker of the House. I got no beef with that. If the House doesn't flip, that means America agrees with exactly what's happening in Jim Jordan's view of the world. And Jim Jordan would be a great Speaker of the House. I think Jim Jordan is honest and forthright. I, I think in this particular situation, he got some bad advice. And and um, and to go back on it now, I think he views or his people view as as weakness or admitting a lie or which which it isn't. man. we, we all listen. I can tell you through omission. I've lied about this thing for 25 years. It doesn't make me a, a dishonest person. Um, I haven't come out. People have asked me why I didn't like Ohio State or or why I left. I've never told the actual reason. It's got, it's got nothing to do with that. I, like, there's a machine behind the man that, um, that has a vested interest in his political career and thinks that this is a loser issue. Thinks that, you know, hey, if, if you admit knowing anything about this, people are going to say, and you know what? They're not wrong. The left would come at him so hard for letting these kids get abused. He didn't let anybody get abused any more than Russ did. Nobody knew that it was at the level that it was. Now, people knew enough to ask to stop it. You know what? You make some really good points there, Michael. You really do. And we've only got a few minutes left here. I'm sorry. So, I talked no, too much. No, no. This is, this, is <laughs> why we, this is why we wanted you to come on. Um, you know, one of the, the last things I'll say about Jim Jordan and, and the political angle is this, is that Regardless of whether he knew or didn't know or what he knew or didn't know back then, one of the things I will say that people can't argue now is that um, a Jim Jordan today is motivated by different things than a 28- or 29-year-old Jim Jordan was motivated by back then. Um, I, 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 think I, I think I stand in the corner that you stand in right now that he probably was very naive to the situation back then, um, maybe had some thoughts in the back of his head that, wow, there's some things that happen here that just don't seem right, but um, I... I, I, I I find, I'm at a point now after listening to you and everything I've read over the last week and everything that there there probably is a really good chance he just didn't know much about anything that was going on wouldn't have been able to comprehend it yeah. but you know aside from that he's motivated by different things right now so and when you get into politics it's it's a very uh it's a, it's a very tricky game and a very tricky slope to navigate so he's only going by the advice that he got um some, sometimes you um, you sort of do what it takes, even if it's not in your character. I, just for the for the slightest minute to talk wrestling. Uh, back in the day, um, I was a super aggressive wrestler. Takedown, takedown, takedown. Right, but sometimes you're up by two, and you don't have any stalling warnings. Now I'm not a staller, but I'm gonna lock it down in a square stance and not do crap for the last thirty seconds. You know, it might not be in my character as a wrestler to do it that way, but it is what the situation demands. Right. 
I think that the situation with Jordan is a lot like that. I don't think this is. I think that but it he's didn't doing, demand it, Michael. What's that? It didn't demand that. He thought it did at the time. I, I look, I, <laughs> you, and, you and Brandon, and, and it's funny because you obviously know way more than I do about this. But you and Brandon are, I, I Mr. Jordan knew something. Mr. Hellickson knew something, and they knew enough. And they, in my opinion, they didn't do I what they should have done. I think you're judging him by 2018. Yeah. I think in no, 2018, he knows enough. I did say that it was, I did say that in it was. In 1991, nobody, I didn't, different know, I didn't even know what to call it. And, and I didn't even know, um, I didn't even know the, the, the role I played in it. And the, the um, so if I don't know, and let's be really clear. I could have walked into practice the next day, said, Coach Jordan, can you please sit down with me, and given a full statement. And, and I am positive that what happened to me would have been a, 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 a criminal investigation at the time. And I didn't do it. So how on earth am I going to blame him for not knowing about what I didn't tell him? Well, and I'm not talking about blaming well, no, but I mean, and that's I, what's happening right. in the press. Well, yeah, and no, and yeah. and, and if that's you listen to our last podcast, I know you did. I'm not blaming him. I'm not yeah. saying that he should face any sort of repercussions or consequences no. because of this, politically or or legally. Right, yeah. but he got really bad advice because he knew something. I agree with that. He, he knew something. Yeah. That's my opinion. Whether or not you want to agree with it or not, that's fine. It would be hard to be around the team and not know. That's what I'm saying. At minimum, I think we can all agree that he could have handled this differently sure. from the beginning. and still can. He could come out tomorrow. That's not going to happen, though, Michael. That, I mean, that's not going to happen because what's what, what's worse? If he's than the, the guy act, I remember, if what, he's the guy I remember, it would not. I'm telling you, start what would run now, man? What would look worse? Run on that issue. What would look worse in the eyes of the public right now? To the fact that you may have known something, or the fact that you denied, 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 and then came out and said, "You know what? I did that." My friend, uh, now we've got a liar. Uh, uh, that's so, so anyway. All right, let's. All right. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Okay. We, we could go down this yeah. rabbit hole for days. <laughs> um, we're going to wrap this thing up here in just a couple of minutes. Michael, I want to I, I ask you this because sure. you're actually a victim. Um, you're a male victim. This did happen to you. Um, one of the things that you hear a lot about when things like this happen to women, you hear about this in the media. They, the other side always focuses on what they were wearing, how they yeah. acted, how much they had to drink, whether it was consent or not. And we talked about this a little bit a while, you know, a while ago. Yes or no? All I want is a yes or no from you right sure. now. Is an erection con- does ere- does an erection constitute consent? Absolutely not, dude. Um, l- let's make this really clear. Um, not to be uh, crude, but um, I'm 19. I got an erection if the wind blows. So, <laughs> um, it's true. It's I mean, so, it's true. It's so true. So, so, um, but. But at the same time, and, I, and you know, we spoke about this earlier, um, and it's so odd just sort of saying it out loud. The the erection part of the story is what makes the story believable because it is so um, uncomfortable right. to speak about. Right? It's what God. Nobody lie about that. Nobody. Nobody'd say that. Right? Like who would say that? Like like there is no payday that makes that okay. There is no um, uh, money grab that makes that okay. Um, so the, the reason I included it in the story is because um, it was a huge part of my silence. There was shame in that. 
real shame. Shame to this day as a 47-year-old man with a 13-year-old child. I still feel shame about it. Sure. Um, and, and, and Well, you shouldn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you I'm shouldn't. getting there. But, uh, but so, so, no, I do not believe that the, the uh, what was it, Schultz with the, it is my personal opinion. I've never met Schultz. Um, I was a big fan of his brother. Um, uh, Mark Schultz puts a lot of things on social media. What I will to, say to is, is, I view that situation um, as a, a, uh, a Shakespeare. Right? Thou dost protest too much. That uh, I think that a lot of people make assumptions about about Dupont and he mm-hmm. that uh, ah. that people are uncomfortable with. Sure, that he is uncomfortable with. Sure, that may or may not be true. That I have no opinion on because I, I don't know. Th- I thought I've had the but, same thoughts, but I think it is. I think it's one of those situations where. Um, uh, I, I think he knows uh, better than most whether it happened or not to him. Sure, that how people in power can manipulate people absolutely. that are not in absolutely. Power. And the, and, the, the funny and he should be like Jordan on the other side of it. Be like, no, man, I get it. Now it might not have been sexual with him, but it's not his mo. It's, yeah. it's really not his mo. Yeah. But you know, at the but, same time. At, at the same time, and I'll say this in defense of Mark Schultz and that tweet that he put out there. Had that, had, I want to hear this. Had that tweet come from anybody else, it's a legitimate question. It's an honest question that can be asked. Okay, I, I'm not saying no, I no, agree. I'm not no, saying it's no. I don't agree with that question. One but of the I'm reasons I'm question. sitting here on this microphone is that number one, there is no question um, that is not a legitimate question to ask about this. It is my understanding about that tweet. You hear that, Ben? You hear that? <laughs> you hear that? It is my question, my, 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 um, I'm not on Twitter. I am not socially networked. The, the dot net is as far as I go. Oh, that's uh, bad. I know it is. That's I, bad. Yeah, I got that problems. doesn't even have a mobile, uh, whatever, like a mobile yeah. website. I've it's got bad. real issues. I've got real issues. You mean an app? Yeah. No, no. They're, they're, some websites have mobile sites. Like, they don't even have a mobile site. No. Anyway. So, regardless. So, I have not seen the tweet. Uh, but it's my understanding that it was not a question. It's my understanding that what he said was, um, uh, e- even if there was a question mark at the end, doesn't that give you consent? Uh, the implication is that it does. And my issue with that is um, somebody like him should know that people in power um, can and have been since the dawn of time um, preying on people that were not in power. Michael, I, I completely agree with you. Don't don't get me wrong there. I, I 100% agree with you. I guess my thing was is let's just say let's say let's say it was me or Ben talking to you and we say, "Hey, listen, ask the question. We, we, Absolutely. We assess the situation and we say, "Hey, is it a legitimate question to ask that if you're lying on a bed in a room full of pictures of naked men on a wall and you have an erection, can that be construed as consent?" Um my 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 answer to that would be can that be construed as consent? Absolutely. Does that mean it's consent? Absolutely not. Were there, were there actually? I agree with that. That's a great answer. Yeah. Were there actually naked pictures of men on the wall? No. Okay. So, so to me, I think you feel like he's almost making up some. No. So we're pieces of we're, this we're, shit. We're conflating two stories. Right. I want to okay. be really clear that uh, the story that you guys are referring to is is Nick Nutter's Nick Nutter, yeah. story of uh, poison ivy incident. And uh, went to Doc Strauss to take care of the poison ivy. And there was this, went upstairs, laid down the sheet, laid down on the bed. Right. Right. And we're, we're, uh, again, and I want to be really clear to anybody listening. Um, 
Google Nick freaking Nutter. The guy was an animal, okay? Oh, he's a beast. He's a college heavyweight All-American. Dude, I'd mess him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. Nick, I reached out to Nick because... Um, <laughs> I'm just... I, I, I can't take you seriously wearing oh. that, that size youth small tank top and you saying that. <laughs> you guys are killing me. So, Nick Nutter... Um, was uh, if, if you've ever had a chance, I got to watch Nick in uh, in high school, and I reached out to him after this. Um, Nick there was a uh, a qualifier runner up and champ. Should have been a two time champ. Tech the guy the week before and lost in the Who finals. Was it? Rough. It was uh, he's from Ravenna Southeast. I can't remember his name. Um, in ninety one. Oh, anyway, I think Koontz just because it's Ravenna Southeast, but it wasn't Koontz. Um, no, but he, Dorn, it was Andy Dorn. He lost to Andy Dorn in the finals. He teched him the week before. He teched him oh. the week before at Firestone. And just, he, the guy had a bad night, right? He should have been a two-time champ. And he is this. Is Andy Dorn related to Roger Dorn? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh you God. got it, didn't you? I you just so it. answered that. How did I answer that? <laughs> Freaking Major Played League. third base in the movie Major League. What are you talking League? about, man? He gets the bruises from taking the shots. Oh. oh Dorn? I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Oh. oh. You never saw the movie Major League? That changes League? everything. I saw it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, so he was uh, a an athletic, um, b- b- big, strong. I mean, it, Nick Nutter was a big he's mother. A beast. He's a college all American at heavyweight and a really good MMA fighter yeah, as well. I can throw hands too, like so. It's just simply got nothing to do with that. I mean, what Nick could have done, or me to, to this guy, it's got. It was all about power. So. And, and it is, is a hard thing to comprehend. And I can tell you, if somebody would have told me before going through it, I would have said the same thing these internet trolls say. They're not even trolls. They're just being honest because it's not in their mind to think that way. That, they don't understand. No, no. And I didn't either. They don't but, understand no. the concept of exactly what occurred. Yeah. yeah. Well, but even, even if they, it gets spelled out to them in this interview in a way that people can understand. And I'm glad you've never gone through it. But... There is a, a wherever there is a power disparity, there is an opportunity for abuse, whether that is um, uh, social or 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 uh, uh, sexual depends on the situation. And frankly, just because there's an opportunity for abuse doesn't mean there has to be abuse. There's lots of power disparities in the world that do not end in abuse. Almost all of them do not end in abuse. But the culture is rich that they could if you've got a bad actor. And Dr. Strauss was a bad actor. And the people around him, they didn't prop him up. They propped up the Ohio State University. And he was part of that. And, and it, it wasn't worth the trouble to, to further inquire about these bizarre events to see what was wrong with this one particular guy. The institution has to keep plugging on and it and it still will it goes back to the thing you said about mike nobody's bringing down ohio state it's just not going to happen and nobody wants to i live in columbus now while i'm far from a fan but i don't want to i don't wish ill upon the university right. you know right. I, I i go to ohio state matches they've got a phenomenal team i i love watching them wrestle uh i i like osu football i like the university my child it is the state university of ohio I would assume, if she can, my kid's going to end up going to Ohio State. And I will send her there um, completely confident that not that nothing will happen. 
Right. But that if something did, my kid will know to talk. Gotcha. Does nope. that make sense? It and I'm not saying sense. something will. Perfect sense. But it's it's it, it. We're in a different world, you know. And uh, if this if if this going on makes it safer for my kid to go there, I mean, I am a a, a middle class guy. My kid, if they go to college. They're going to the state university. They're probably doing two years at Columbus State first right. so to make it affordable. I right? hear you, man. So, I hear you. So I have no, I don't have an issue. I don't have an axe to grind. I don't, but my big thing, and it sounds super cliched, and I, I really want to get this in before we stop, is that it sounds really cliched, but somewhere in America tonight, I guarantee this shit's happening. 100%. There are kids 100%. right now in situations that they are uncomfortable with. There are kids who are with doctors, coaches, teachers, people who they trust, right, that are that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. And those kids are are in that victim cycle, the one that I was in that I did not know. And the whole reason when somebody asked me, so why the interviews? Why you put your name out there? That's it. I have filed... Nothing with the university. I am asking for nothing from the university. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. But my... And I think we need to talk about that. It's, yeah. It's, I want to make sure that you don't limit yourself. Okay, so at this point in time, you haven't filed any lawsuits. No. But that doesn't mean you won't. But OSU is doing everything right. Okay. So it is it, my belief... Right. Everything right with the investigation. Yes, that doesn't mean 2018. That right, Ohio State is doing everything right when it comes to wrestling. I get Urban's in some issues, right? No, I'm not <laughs> worried. Yeah, I'm not worried but, about that. But so, I I want to give the university in the same way I want to give Jordan the opportunity, and the university smartly just took a step back. They have they have not shamed the victims. They have not denied anything. And I think that what will happen likely is that this whole thing will, there'll be a report issued and Ohio State will say, this happened, we agree, and there'll be some sort of token settlement. It is my opinion. I think it'll be more than token. Well, I think, I think. uh, I think it's going to be pretty big. What I'm saying is, whatever they offer, my opinion is that. Uh, that will be the end of my involvement in this. It would it would surprise me. While it's not out of the realm, it would surprise me if they came with a number and then I said, you know what, that number's not big enough. I'm going to sue you. Right, I got I, you. I, I, that doesn't seem like something that I would be comfortable with. Um, might there be some compensation? Yes. Is this a money grab? No. The big get is I just don't want it to happen. I don't want some other kid to be 47 years old before he figures out, oh, that's why I was that way. <laughs> like, like that's, right. that's the whole get. There, there's some kid right now that might listen to this podcast that thinks, oh, my God, I should talk to my folks or I should talk to my teacher or my head coach. or Like, that's it. That's, that's the whole game. The compensation is a distant second. Um, and, and, and that part of it, I wanted to be clear. Like it, it sounds cliched, but that's, that's the whole game that there might just, just one, if one freaking kid goes to his coach or his parents or his principal or a teacher or anything and says, Oh my God, man, this is happening to me. Please help. That's it. They need to do 
what I was not strong enough to do at the time. Man, those are, those are some great comments and some great sentiments, Michael. Um, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to, how to respond to that. But you're 100 percent correct. Um, I completely agree with you that the unfortunate um, reality right now is is that this is probably not the only situation where this has occurred. It's probably occurred numerous times before. It's probably still occurring now. It's going to occur in the future. And I guess if there's one bright thing that come come out of this, it can at least. Um, hopefully do something to prevent it from happening in the future to someone. Absolutely. Um, Michael, listen, man, want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. It's been a great time, um, really enlightening. We really appreciate you coming down here. Um, yeah, thank you very much, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. One thing I would like to request on air is that at some point I would absolutely like to come back and, and talk actual wrestling. I love college wrestling. I love Ohio absolutely. high school wrestling. Heck yeah. I, I would absolutely love to talk um, actual wrestling with uh, with this stuff not being on the table. Oh, we'll definitely make it happen because uh, we got a lot of wrestling to talk this college season. It's a season. big year. It's got, a big year. Got a lot of wrestling to talk. So, anyway, Ben, go, you got anything else? Go Bucks. <laughs> yeah, go Bucks. Wrestling, man. <laughs> I just want to make it clear that, you know, I don't hate Ohio State at all. It's not at all. It's a, it's a big year for, for Ohio State. Absolutely. All right. All right, everybody. Listen, this has been episode number 65 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. Thanks again to Michael Rodriguez coming out and talking to us today. I know we went a little long, but we hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Um, Yeah, that's all we got for you. And as always, don't wind up on your back, bro.